With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare what's up this your boy little duval and check out my podcast conversations with unk on the black effect podcast network each and every tuesday conversations with unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness unlike my work on stage i tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement yet remind folks to never forget to laugh every tuesday listen to conversation with unk hosted by Lil duval on the black effect podcast network iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Welcome to 2021. Welcome to the Jason Martin Show. Another year here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Fox Sports Radio studios by way of Nashville, Tennessee. The crew is in L.A. Chris Perfett, Brian Finley, Eric Roberts... We'll get to our picks in the third hour of the show, and we'll hear from them throughout, I believe, as well. Hope you're well. Happy New Year to you from everybody at Fox Sports Radio, and Happy New Year to Bernie Frado and Mackenzie Rivers and the crew from straight out of Vegas. Always enjoy listening to them on the way in. They keep me awake, honestly, because uh, you might be on the West Coast listening right now at midnight. Well, it's 2 a.m. here. I had to turn the light off very carefully and then walk out of the home so that I didn't wake up my wife on the way out. It's always kind of odd to come in and do the 2 to 5 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Kind of kind of just an interesting way to begin your week. But final week of the NFL regular season, we will break it all down. We'll talk about who's getting in and who's not and what makes sense and what doesn't over the next three hours. But college football has kind of taken – the country by storm, not necessarily like I didn't care about A&M and Carolina. Let me just be honest with you. I, I watched Georgia and Cincinnati because it felt like Georgia wanted to be there. And Cincinnati was obviously going to play their guts out. And I watched a good bit of football yesterday, as a matter of fact. Obviously, I watched the two semifinal games two days ago. But and I watched I even watched a little college hoops. But I want to talk about the Texas story. Because in comes Steve Sarkeesian and out goes Tom Herman. I have, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I guess that's what I'm going to do. Full Barry Horowitz style here to open the Jason Martin show in this first show of 2021. I put a list together. I used to do a show at 6 p.m. in Nashville. 
And so I put a, I always put together a list of six. So I put a, put together a list of the six most overrated people in sports. And this list was, I guess this would have been three years ago. And that list included John Gruden. It included John Wall. Paul George. Kirk Cousins. And there's one other one that I am forgetting, blanking on. Maybe it'll come back to me. Oh, Jim Harbaugh. We've talked about him many times this year. And then the other guy on that list was this man by the name of Tom Herman, who had seen a ton of success at Houston and had become the head coach at Texas. And I want to make it clear again, as I always do when I do this, that list of six was not a bunch of scrubs. It was just people that I didn't believe deserved quite the level of hype they were receiving. Overrated doesn't mean trash. It just means, I don't know that they're worth what we're seeing. So Tom Herman goes to Texas, and Tom Herman is now out at Texas. And Steve Sarkeesian is in. Steve Sarkeesian is making two and a half mil a season as the OC for Nick Saban at Alabama. Yet another OC that Nick Saban's going to have to replace. This is why I continually point out to anybody willing to listen that it makes almost no sense to hire a defensive head coach, especially in the NFL, because in order for you to have a top-flight offense, you've got to have a great offensive coordinator. And if you have a great offensive coordinator, he's probably not going to be around very long because somebody else is going to snatch him up to be their Sean McVay or their Andy Reid or whoever it is, the flavor of the month, but it's offense that's winning the day right now. So look at Saban at Alabama. Lane Kiffin, gone. And a rehab project, just like Steve Sarkeesian was a rehab project. Mike Loxley, gone. Head coach at Maryland. This is what we're going to continue to see. Look at the Tennessee Titans right now. Matt LaFleur, where is he? Not the offensive coordinator at Tennessee. He wasn't even there a full year, calendar year. He was there for one season, wasn't even impressive, and now is with Aaron Rodgers as the top seed in the NFC. Arthur Smith is on everybody's short list right now. So Vrabel's going to be looking for another OC next year, one would assume. And this is true across the board. Look at who's getting jobs in the NFL. Look at what's happened in Cleveland Now that they've got somebody ready for that job, there's probably a year or two. He could have been a coach two years ago, and that's Kevin Stefanski. Offensive guy, boom, all of a sudden they're rolling. Who else is on the short list for everybody? Brian Dable. That's just the way that it rolls right now. So Sarkeesian's just another example of Nick Saban, whoever's running his offense, probably going to succeed because the recruiting's outrageous. I mean, look at the receiving talent, look at the running backs, look at the quarterbacks as they have gone from being game managers to guys that can wing it, whether it's Tua or Mac Jones or whoever it's going to be to follow him. That's just kind of the way that it has rolled. But Tom Herman loses his job at Texas. And this is not a surprise. He was 32-18 and in four years at Texas. Went 7-3 and this season. Beat Colorado on Tuesday in the Alamo Bowl. 32-18. and 18. And Tom Herman was pretty great at Houston. I don't want to talk about Tom Herman not being good enough to be the head coach of Texas. I want to talk about 
outsized expectations at various jobs in this country, in college football. I was talking about this with a couple of people, a couple of friends, a couple of people in media over the last month or so. And we were looking at the very few schools that don't have down years. Now, Alabama, since Saban has gotten there, is a pretty solid example of that. Yes, they missed the playoff once, but generally they're in that top four, if not number one. A ton of national titles, all of that stuff. Heisman Trophy winners, everything you want to see. But before that, it's pretty desolate. Between Gene Stallings and Nick Saban, you had Francione and Riley and Shula and a bunch of stuff that just didn't work. They were struggling. They were off the map for a while before they got back on the map. Ohio State is almost never bad. Even Luke Fickle's season, they were still pretty good. And then he, I, you know, you're seeing what he's capable of right now at Cincinnati. But Ohio State is that score. If you go back and look historically, pretty much every year they're good. And I don't mean just this decade. I mean for decades and decades and decades. And then the other school on that list generally is Oklahoma. Now they had a little bit of a down span. Until Bob Stoops got there after Switzer left. And then since that point in time, they've still been pretty good for the most part that entire time. And Lincoln Riley is continuing that. But Oklahoma's the other school that's on that list. Almost everybody else has outsized expectations in terms of long lulls or romanticized dynasties. Michigan, I don't put in here because Michigan does have a ton of history. They just haven't really found it since Lloyd Carr. But it's not like it was Lloyd Carr and then before that it was desolate, you know. But two schools that have incredibly crazy you feel a certain way about them, but you forget that it doesn't match the truth. The two schools are USC and Texas. USC doesn't have this rich history of 100 years of winning conference championships every single year, being in whatever the playoff situation is every single year. Like, what were they between Cooper and Pete Carroll? And what have they been since Pete Carroll? And even towards the end of Pete Carroll, what were they then? That doesn't mean Clay Helton deserves to be in that job forever. I, I think he probably should have been gone last year, if you want my real opinion on it. But USC is not Ohio State. They had a very hot run. Texas. And I've, I've got their history up in front of me right now. 7-3, and 8-5, 10-4, 7-6. That's the Tom Herman era, Okay. The Charlie Strong era was five and seven, five and seven, six and seven. I'm going to skip Mac Brown for just a minute and go all the way back to '97 with John Makovic, who was there for six years. Four and seven, eight and five, ten and two, eight and four, five and five, six and five. Now David McWilliams, who was there for half a decade, five and six, ten and two. 
Five and six, four and seven, seven and five. Fred Akers, he was there for a long time. And he went five and six, eight and four, seven and four, really nice 11 and one with a loss in the Cotton Bowl, nine and three, 10 and one, Cotton Bowl, seven and five, nine and three, nine and three, 11 and one. So pretty solid there. But if you really look at this, I mean, this is more an eight or nine win school. Except that Mac Brown had this unbelievable run between 2001 and 2009. Where this is this is crazy. He went. Listen to this. 11 and 2, 11 and 2, 10 and 3, 11 and 1, 13 and 0, 10 and 3, 10 and 3, 12 and 1, 13 and 1, and then he goes five and seven, eight and five, nine and four, eight and five, and gone. But he went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years in a row with double digit victories. During that span, he won seven of the nine bowl games that they played in. Just an amazing run. But Texas, outside of that, they're better than average, but they're not Ohio State. They're nothing close to what we've seen from Alabama since Saban's been there. They're not Clemson since Dabo Swinney got there. So what exactly should the expectations be? I know how much money they have. I know the fan spirit, and I know the rivalries, and all that kind of stuff, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Texas is some A-plus level program that should be expected to be in the top four every year. So it's almost like I'm defending Tom Herman here. The question is this. Everybody, one of the great refrains on social media is, is Texas back? Question is, how often has Texas been in a position where you would want them to get back to that? He won in his time there seven games twice, eight games once, and ten games. That was Tom Herman's four years there. You heard me list off all the coaches and what they had done since 77. You want me to go back further? Daryl Royal was there for ages. He has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven double digit win seasons. He's also got eight and four, eight and three, eight and three. Six and four, seven and four, six and four, seven and three, seven and three, six, four and one in the mix there. So there was a mixture of what was going on. Is Texas back? Other than Mac Brown, back to what exactly? I think the answer was yes. I think they were back at eight and five. I think they were back this year at seven and three. It's not that they can't win more games, it's just. You're basing this on what exactly? You're basing it on an all-time hot run with Mac Brown. I mean, another school that you don't see a whole lot of success from is North Carolina. Yeah, they lost in their bowl game to Texas A&M, the number five team in the country. But Mac Brown's got North Carolina winning. Maybe he's just a hell of a coach. And SC is the same way. If you look at USC... It's real sparse. Like, this is not some legendary every year in and out perennial champion school. There's only a couple of those in the country. And by the way, Alabama's not one of them because of the huge lull that we saw between Gene Stallings and Nick Saban. I don't know that there is another one. I think it's 
Ohio State and Oklahoma. I don't know that there is another one. So what exactly is Steve Sarkeesian walking into? And what exactly did Texas just hire? Texas just hired a great offensive coordinator that's just led an unbelievable offense over the last two years. Now he has had Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, who's better than all of them, Henry Ruggs, Najee Harris, Tuatonga Vailoa on the college level in particular, and now Mac Jones. Like, it's not like he's out here throwing a no, but Irv Smith was there as well. Like, I mean, you've had all sorts of talent there. What did Steve Sarkeesian do at Washington? Well, he was 35 and 29, 2 and 2 in bowl games. And then at SC, he was 12 and 6. And he's had to be a rehab project. He was struggling with alcohol and things. And from every indicator, he has cleaned up his life and he's in a really good place. And that's awesome. And I want to see him succeed. But if you look at his record and where he's going, you want to talk about taking on a challenge. Yeah, he's going to get paid because Texas never has a problem paying big time money. But the expectations compared to the output historically at Texas, you would think that Texas is the New England Patriots of this century. You would think that they're the Showtime Lakers or something like that, like the Lakers or the Celtics, like a franchise like that. They're not. They're not. Maybe Texas was back all along, back to reality. Not the fantasy land under Mac Brown, but what Texas kind of is, which is pretty good, but probably not elite. You show me the rich history of Texas football. I will wait because it just doesn't exist. It's a tough road for Steve Sarkeesian, who turned down a chance to interview at Auburn. There was uh, a story that he was waiting out Saban, and he was the coach in waiting in Alabama, and he goes to Texas. And Tom Herman, I mean, I, I don't know how much his star took a hit at Texas, but it's just kind of becoming a landfill for coaches at this point. You go there, the pressure is immense. And you're not Oklahoma, and you figure it out as soon as you get there. Maybe it's going to work out for Sarkeesian, but Texas fans, and maybe even all of us that aren't Texas fans that watch college football with an educated brain, need to look at Texas as what it is. Pretty good. Not elite. I'm on Twitter at Jmart Radio. We'll be back. Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. 
if you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, welcome back. Jason Martin Show. I am Jay Mart here with you. Till 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Jason Martin Show. I'm on Twitter at Mart Radio. And hey, we're all in the fight against COVID-19. You know, it hit my family on Christmas Day as uh, my father-in-law, and it, that's that's been tough. But it looks like he's gonna he's gonna get through it. But it's it was a struggle there for several days. Ford Motor Company is doing their part by manufacturing and donating 100 million masks to underserved communities. And Ford encourages everyone to join the effort. We're so close to winning this fight. These next few weeks are crucial. Let's hold the line. Let's be smart. Let's social distance, wear masks, look out for each other so we can get back to where we were. Together we can get it done. Let's finish strong. That's a message from the Ford Motor Company. So what I was saying about Texas. I want to be careful here and just, I haven't, I haven't, I, I don't have Twitter up right now, so I haven't seen it if you've sent me anything about it, but I've still got this page up with the reference. They've won 30 conference championships. Now, that's not all Big 12, of course, because they were in the SWC for a while. They were independent for a while. They're 31 and 24 and with two ties somehow in bowl games. I looked at, you know, where they've been ranked in the preseason. And then what the high has been at different times. It's it's just, I mean, yeah, you've had some where they've been very high. A lot of it during the Mac Brown era. And certainly some during the Daryl Royal era. I mean, the stadium's named after him for a reason. But there's also, there's a lot of 17s, 19s, 22s, 14s, 12s, 17s. Even some like 7 and 8s that were like good years. 11. And then during Tom Herman's time, their preseason ranks... 23, 23, 10, and this year 14. And they're high. They didn't change in 2017. 2018, they got as high as six. They were ninth in 2019, eighth in 2020. In 2018, they finished the year ninth. That was the 10 and four year where they won the Sugar Bowl. Tom Herman won all of his bowl games, right? Sugar Bowl, Texas Bowl, Alamo Bowl twice. So Texas has history. They're just not this elite football factory that it seems like they are. And, and yeah, you can get recruits and you can do all this stuff, but it's changed. Everything has kind of shifted. And I'm going to give you the reason for it. Television. Because of technology spearheaded by cable and satellite and network 
devotees that where you can watch an entire conference and things of that nature. 17 different ESPNs, multiple Fox Sportses, all the regional channels, all that kind of stuff. If you're good, someone will be able to see it. It's not the way that it used to be where if you didn't go to the U, you weren't going to be on television. If you didn't go to Notre Dame, you weren't going to be on television. Sure, if you go to Alabama, you're going to be on TV in good spots, but you're not selling exposure quite as much. Now, if I'm going to a very small school, then yeah, it's going to be harder for me to stand out. But I still might get an opportunity. I mean, scouts are going to find me if I'm good enough to make it on Sundays. But the recruiting pitch isn't, hey, you're going to be on TV every week. It's, hey, I know how to get you on Thursday in the NFL draft. I know how to get you out in the first round. If you listen to me, you come here, we're going to win a ton of games. You're going to be playing into January. You can sell that. But more than anything, me and my coaching staff know how to prepare you for what they're looking for. Television has changed it all. It's the same argument that DeMar DeRozan made in Toronto when he decided not to go to Los Angeles. He didn't have to go to L.A. anymore. doesn't mean it's not a destination to go play with the Lakers. The Lakers, there's something special there. can be the same thing with the Celtics, but the Lakers is the royalty of the NBA. There is something that goes there. But not everybody feels the need to go there the way that they once did because television makes it possible to watch all the Oklahoma City Thunder games if I want to. To watch all of the Utah Jazz games or the Denver Nuggets games. And if I'm Giannis Antetokounmpo, then I can play in Milwaukee and they're going to pick me up and put me on TNT often because I'm an MVP candidate. I don't have to go do that in Los Angeles the way that maybe I used to. Let me give you a pro wrestling analogy. I worked in that industry for 10 years. If you're new to the show, I I don't like to, I mean, a lot of you probably know that, but if you're new to the show this morning, that's why I make this analogy. It used to be everybody felt like they had to go to Vince McMahon. You had to go to WWE or you hadn't made it. Because WWE had national television. They were everywhere. They were on the USA Network. They were on your local affiliates with Wrestling Superstars or Wrestling Challenge. Then came Raw and USA on Primetime and Primetime Wrestling and everything else, and it shifted there. That was the one. Like I grew up on Jim Crockett Promotions in Virginia and North Carolina, which would then become World Championship Wrestling on TBS with Ted Turner. But even that, like... Generally, from a nationwide perspective, I mean, it was nothing. Nothing compared to what Vince was doing. Television, technology, the internet. I can watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. I can watch stuff in Great Britain and Europe, throughout Europe. I can watch Mexican wrestling. And yeah, of course I can watch WWE. They have their own network. I can also watch All Elite Wrestling. Right here in the States. I can watch Ring of Honor on Sinclair channels. Like, all of this stuff is there. There's so much more out there to be consumed. And there's so many more places where I, if I'm a high school athlete or a budding professional wrestler with some talent and the right look and everything else, I can be seen and I can get better. And if I'm good enough, if I want to end up in the WWE, I probably can. 
But I don't have to anymore. I can get paid to do it elsewhere. I can make a living doing it elsewhere and maybe have a better time. So I don't have to go to a Texas. My argument against Nebraska specifically, and this there's always some Nebraska people that'll tweet me when I make this point. But the problem for Nebraska is that there's nothing appetizing about going to play in Nebraska unless I'm from the state of Nebraska. What are you selling? You're not selling the climate. You're not selling beaches. You're not selling mountains. You're not selling the coasts. You're not selling it cities. You're not selling culture. You're literally selling the tradition of Nebraska football, which... At my age, I remember it being dominant when I was growing up. I remember Tommy Frazier and Tom Osborne and all of what they did. I'm about to be a father late April, early May. I'm going to have to tell my son or daughter about a time when Nebraska was relevant because they haven't been in so long. If I had a child that was about to graduate high school and was a dominant football player, how likely is Nebraska to be the destination? Now, if it's one of the only Power 5 schools, maybe. But there's nothing about Nebraska that screams, you better go to Nebraska. Yeah, they're going to be on TV, but Nebraska's not relevant anymore. That's where you can get an outsized expectation. You can look too fondly on history that's now obsolete in the eyes of the people making the decisions today. And it's not the administrators, and it's not the athletic directors, and it's not the coaches. It's the players that make these calls. If you're good, you're getting 50 letters from across the country. And if you see one with a paw on it, you might want to go play for Dabo. But Nebraska is going to have a tougher road to hoe, and there are other schools. The, the longer that you are irrelevant, the harder it is to convince the next generation of superstar of your relevance. That's why it was so important to get Saban at Alabama when they did, because without him, I don't know if they ever come back. As much tradition as exists down there, if they didn't get the right coach, and I don't know how many, I mean, we already know there's only one Nick Saban. Look at every other job at the SEC and how many times it's turned over, mainly because, hey, there's another guy that's not Nick Saban. we got to keep looking. Steve Sarkeesian has kind of an average record, and he's going to Texas. Now, what has he learned under Nick Saban the last few years? Lane Kiffin got an extension on Saturday from Ole Miss after one year. And Lane Kiffin was the first one of these real rehab projects for Saban. And it looks like it's worked out, and I'm excited, man. I like Lane. I like how he's grown. I like that he doesn't take himself so seriously. I like the way he runs offense. I think his teams are fun to watch. I think he's a, he's a character. Sarkeesian was never out in front quite like that. But, I mean, Sarkeesian was 35-29 and 29 at Washington and 12-6 and six at USC. Had troubles, certainly, in his personal life. Some demons that he had to battle. He looks like he's overcome. But he's going to a school that, for some reason, thinks that they are predestined to be in the college football playoff every year, and it's just not that way. 
that's a place where you can go as a coach and fall into obscurity real quick. You don't have to go to Texas anymore to be on television. You can go to Iowa State. And you can win a lot of games with Matt Campbell as your head coach. If you're Matt Campbell, you can elect to stay at Iowa State because you're going to get plenty of exposure there anyway. You don't have to take the first big job that pops up, or bigger job, I should say. You can kind of pick and choose. That's what it's become. If you coach an SEC school, you're going to be on something. SEC Network if you're Vanderbilt. But ESPN, ESPN2, CBS, and soon-to-be ABC slash ESPN with a new move for the SEC in a few years. There's a myriad of places where you can be viewed. So it's harder now for the elitist programs to stay elite. And the ones that were never really elite to begin with outside of a hot run with a coach, you might want to check your expectations at the door because if you got a coach that's winning nine games there, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. It could be worse. I promise you that. Let's bring in Brian Finley. He goes to one of those big-time schools as well where they they have tradition in some sports, but it's tough to stay relevant, B. Are you referencing Ole Miss as far as – I guess I could be, but you're now a UCLA guy too. Yeah, so that's a school – the hardest part about UCLA is that their football stadium is not on campus. And and that is one of the challenges that the university has had to deal with because – it's hard, you know, in normal times to convince a lot of the students to get out there because if you think about it on a Saturday to get to the Rose Bowl from Westwood, it can be an hour or, or more with all the traffic yeah. that's going on. So hopefully winning is going to help, but you think about the challenges. You can't just go out of your dorm room and then show up to, to the game. You know, that's always something that's a bit of a downside. But let's start with what took place at the Orange Bowl. Fifth-ranked Texas A&M outworking number 14 North Carolina. 41-27 Aggies. Devon A-Chain energizing with two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Number 12 Iowa State rubs it in against number 25 Oregon. 34-17. The Ducks malfunctioned with five turnovers. Ole Miss pressing down number 11 Indiana. 26-20 at the Outback Bowl. Kentucky wins the Gator Bowl over number 24 NC State. 23 to 21 as Jason referenced in his monologue Texas welcoming Bama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian as head coach discarding Tom Herman the same day Texas no need for a coaching change in college basketball as their eighth ranked Longhorns squad serves number three Kansas its worst home loss in 65 years 84 to 59 number one Gonzaga tuning out San Francisco 85 62 as the Zags bolt out to 10 and 0 number 21 Oregon clinging to an eight game winning streak after outsmarting Stanford 73 to 56 Alabama shell shock seventh ranked Tennessee 71 63 Bryce Williams scored in crunch time to fuel Oklahoma over number 13 Texas Tech 82 to 77 in the NBA Brandon Ingram calmly knocked down four free throws in the last 13 seconds to stamp a Pelicans 120-116 win and Ben Simmons notches a triple double as the 76ers dismember the Hornets 127-112 and Jason piggybacking off what you were saying as far as your conversations about Nick Saban and how a lot of 
coaches go back to him and he revitalizes their careers. A guy like Butch Jones as well. It's yes. become a, a compost pit for fired head coaches to go back to Saban and then gives all of those guys an extra confidence booster and then they go back out there and they do pretty well. So it'll be interesting to see how Butch Jones does, you know, obviously from his Tennessee days and now at Arkansas State. Yeah, Finley, I mean, look, Butch Jones can coach on a certain level. That level is not in the SEC, and I don't know that it ever will be, but he has shown what he's done oh, yeah. at previous jobs, smaller jobs, and that's what he's doing. Like, Arkansas State has a rich history that's turned out a lot of really good coaches. Butch is going to go there and win. I, I, I fully believe he's going to go there and win nine, ten games on a pretty regular basis as long as he wants to be there. Now, if he wants to try and springboard back up, I think there is a Peter principle in play with Butch Jones where I don't think he's a power five head coach that's going to succeed on a big level. But at the right, I mean, he could, he could coach at Arkansas State or a school like Arkansas State for a long time and do a good job and create the level of success that you want. I just, that, that becomes the thing. Steve Sarkeesian just, Steve Sarkeesian going to Texas based on what he's done historically. I'm just, I'm trying to wonder how much better they think he's going to be than Tom Herman. Yeah. And I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I my, my argument here, I'm going to make this again for everybody. And welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at JMAR Radio. You can't have expectations for what you think you're supposed to be year after year when you usually aren't that, regardless of coach, outside of one or maybe two guys. Like, your expectations have to be built on reality. It's like, just because you're Texas doesn't mean you're preordained for anything. You're Texas, so we're Texas, by God. We should be 12-1 and every year. Yeah, but you're not, and historically, you almost never have been. Like, a lot of times, if I had to look at it and just say, what's your average victory over the last 50 years, your average win total? It's probably 7 or 8, and that's not bad. And yeah, maybe, I mean, you had... A great run with Mac Brown, who even came in his first year, folks, in 98, he won nine games. Then he won nine games. Then he won nine games. Then he won 11, 11, 10, 11, 13, 10, 10, 12, 13. What a ridiculous run. Taking over, by the way, for a guy who won four games the year before. But if you go just looking at through everything, they're probably about a 7-8 win school. But look at how they're perceived and how they're portrayed and how their fans seem to talk. It's like just last year, Vince Young won the national championship. Nah, nah. That was a long time ago. A very long time ago. Like a decade and a half ago. So Tom Herman, who I said years ago, was very overhyped. Won seven games twice, eight games once, ten games once, and is out. And a guy that was 35 and 29 and 12 and 6 at his previous two stops is coming in, and that's going to be the savior? No, it's going to be 8 and 5, 9 and 4. That's what it's going to be. That's what Texas is. They're about an 8 and 5, 9 and 4 kind of school. Unless Nick Saban goes there, and he's not, and Urban Meyer apparently isn't either. 
the expectations got to match what actually happens, not just what you think should happen because it's Texas. I'm on Twitter at Jmart Radio. We'll finish up the first hour of the program next on Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios. Jason Martin Show. My name is Jason Martin. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Cruise in L.A. You can find me on Twitter at jmartradio. Pretty much one topic this hour, but it's kind of gone in a variety of different directions. We're going to jump into the games that were played a couple of days ago, the college football semifinals. There's a lot of NFL. I got a big-time topic on Tua Tonga-Vailoa that I want to open up the third hour of the show with, I think. Sometimes I make changes on the fly, so maybe it'll come before that. But the Texas-USC comparison, I was actually looking during the break because I think that they're they're so similar in how – the expectations don't really match up to what they've done historically outside of some unreal runs. So you had, I listed Mac Brown and how many double-digit winning seasons he had in a row. Pete Carroll didn't have quite as many. But when Pete Carroll came in for Paul Hackett in 2001, Paul Hackett had gone 8-5, and 6-6, six and 7-5. Six, and five. Pete Carroll came in with 6-6 six and six in his first year, lost in the Las Vegas Bowl. And then, now listen to this. 11 and 2, 12 and 1, 13 and 0, 12 and 1, 11 and 2, 11 and 2, 12 and 1, 9 and 4, at which point he left and went to Seattle. And then Lane Kiffin came in and he was 8 and 5, and he had the 10 and 2 years, 7 and 6, and we saw how that rolled after that. So again, one red hot coach, right? But before Pete Carroll, 5 and 7, 6 and 6, 8 and 5, 
six and five, six and six, nine and two in a Rose Bowl win for John Robinson in '95, eight and three in a Cotton Bowl win in '94, eight and five, six and five, three and eight, eight and four. Then he had another nice little run for Larry Smith where he went nine, two and one, ten and two, eight and four. But usually, again, it's the same kind of deal. Red hot for Mac Brown. Red hot for Pete Carroll. Outside of that, pretty good, often good, but we're not talking about Ohio State here. We're not talking about Oklahoma here. It's recency bias. We expect them to be good right now because all of a sudden they were. But historically, year after year, decade after decade, they they haven't been. And I think the other thing this points out is how hard it is to be Ohio State or Oklahoma. I mean, what was Clemson before Dabo took that job? How many attempts did they have to try to find Danny Ford 2.0? I already mentioned the Alabama storyline. Look at Michigan and how long they've tried to chase their glory years. Their most recent glory years, I should say, because they do have a rich history. What Saban's doing right now, when he leaves, is it just going to continue? I doubt it. I doubt it. But Ohio State always seems to be there. Whether it's Trestle or Urban or Ryan Day, Fickle was a good coach. That was just a tough year. College football, it is really hard to stay there. Which I think actually should point to the unbelievable streak of greatness that Ohio State and Oklahoma both happen to have. Doesn't mean there haven't been some lulls, but really and truly, that's a team that's been over 500 even when they were bad, most all the time. Sarkeesian at Texas is a, it's a tough ask, let's just say that. Coming up next, Notre Dame, we got to talk about it, and Clemson. And again, what does defense mean in 2020? Second hour of the program, we're going to keep getting back here, and I'm sorry if you don't like it or if the national media doesn't like it, but we're going to go back to work. We're going to keep recruiting. We're going to put ourselves back in this position again. We had the opportunity. You watched the game. I watched the game. And I'm not taking it personal because these questions keep coming up like we have to reinvent ourselves. We were physical today. That's Brian Kelly. After Notre Dame got beaten by Alabama in the college football playoff semifinal. So Kelly's ticked off because he's being asked about this narrative. He's being asked about this storyline that Notre Dame is now winless in seven BCS or New Year's six bowl games since 98. They've been outscored by 161 points per ESPN stats and info. They've lost by at least 14 points in every game. Here it is, in case you didn't see it pop up on the screen in the graphic during the semifinal. In 2000 against Oregon State, they got beat by 32. 05, Ohio State beat them by two touchdowns. 06, LSU beat them by 27. Alabama by 28 in 2012. That was the national title game, and that was a just total beatdown. Ohio State by 16 in 2015. Clemson by 27 and 18. And this year, Alabama by 17, and it wasn't that close. 
So he's angry about that, and he's like, we're a really good football team. We're going to keep getting back here. He goes on to say, when they're on the perimeter, nobody shut them down. Tell me, who's tackled those guys? Everybody's got the same problem that I do tackling those guys and getting them down. I don't have a unique problem at Notre Dame. We just needed more firepower, quite frankly. We just came up short with the firepower. That's it. There's no other wider story than we just came up a little short on a few plays, and they made a few more plays than we did today. Coach, I agree with you. They made more plays than you, scored more points than you, and beat you. That's how every football game is played last time I checked. We needed more firepower. You know what that means? You didn't have enough athletes. What's the storyline going in? At least the way that they tried to portray it to make it look like maybe this could be a football game. Hey, they've gone and gotten bigger. Because that was the argument a few years ago was that Notre Dame wasn't big enough. They weren't strong enough, especially in the trenches. They always looked the part until they ran into somebody in the college football semi, and then all of a sudden they just didn't look the part at all. So they get bigger. What are you hearing by the third quarter of this game? If you don't have eyes and you didn't notice it in the first half, in the third quarter you see them go to Todd McShay on the sideline. What does McShay say? Because he's a draft guy and he's looking at what's going to happen in the next level. He goes, yeah, they've gotten bigger. And they've gotten stronger at Notre Dame, but they've got to get faster. That's always been the case, though, right? Like, we've seen this movie now for 20 years. Notre Dame doesn't look as fast as the Alabamas of the world or the Clemsons of the world or the Ohio States of the world or whoever it is that they run into in the college football playoff. It's either they're not big enough, they're not strong enough, they're not fast enough. That's why the narrative exists. I agree with Brian Kelly. I've said before, I even said it in the last hour, how many SEC coaches have lost jobs simply because they couldn't figure out how to stop a Nick Saban team? I mean, the West is a graveyard of coaches. Even the guys that won them a couple of times are out, like Malzahn at Auburn. So when he says, tell me who's tackled these guys, He's basically saying, look, Alabama's really good. We get that. But here's the thing. When you're 0-7 since 98 in these kind of games, being beaten by double digits in every single one, then when Brian Kelly says, quote, I guess everybody needs to continue to carry this narrative that Notre Dame is not good enough. Unquote. It just, you sound like a jack wagon. You aren't good enough. And he says later, he's he's still perturbed and he's talking about how my guys fought. Our guys fought really hard. We were fighting Alabama every step of the way. Well, I mean, of course you were. You played four quarters. You got guys with a lot of pride. Ian Book, man, heck of a player. All those guys. That's a good football team, Notre Dame. They ain't Alabama. But that doesn't mean the narrative's false, coach. Like, I'm torn on this because I understand your point, but this is like the Derek Carr thing. Just shut up. Just just stay quiet and go about your business. Who cares what they say if you keep getting there? You don't have to fight back against it. And th- this is the best part. Towards the end of this contentious 
press conference. He says, we're going to keep getting back here. Everybody can keep saying Notre Dame's not good enough. Well, you know what? You're going to have a problem because we're going to keep winning games. We're going to keep getting back here, and we're going to break through. And then I'm going to be terrible to be at a press conference with. Terrible. Sounds like you're kind of terrible now, Coach. You got throttled, and you didn't like the fact that you were asked why your school, which you haven't been a part of all these losses, but since 98, you haven't won one of these crucial bowl games. In fact, you haven't been close in the final score. And 31-14 to me didn't indicate how dominant Alabama actually was in that game. And he even says at different times, he's like, look, Devontae Smith's a player of the year in college football. Look at them in space. Like, we just couldn't keep up with them. Right. You know why you couldn't keep up with them? Because they're faster than you across the field. That means the narrative has merit. The team that you are fielding doesn't look the part against the team you are playing against. And it's happened repeatedly in the college football playoff. I remember in 2012, I had people walking up to me when I was a student. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a Bama fan, so I was wearing some Bama gear that day. And they walked up and they just talked about how Notre Dame was disrespected and how Notre Dame was just going to annihilate Alabama in that national championship game. And I said, I, I don't know what you're basing that on. I have a lot of respect for those guys, but they, you don't know what you're about to face. Because they haven't seen this. And so he pointed out in this press conference, you know, we beat Clemson when they were number one team in the country. Yes. Conveniently leaving out that they were missing key defensive players in that game. And also Heisman, soon-to-be runner-up Trevor Lawrence, who probably would win the award if he hadn't had to miss that game and a second game due to COVID. And it's about to be the number one pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, you did beat them. And then when Trevor was back and the defense in particular was full strength in the ACC championship game, you got your doors blown off by that same Clemson team. Which one was more indicative of reality? That first game or the one that we saw a couple weeks ago? I'm going to say it was the latter. It probably sounds like I'm disrespecting Notre Dame right now. I'm not. I'm disrespecting Brian Kelly because I think he disrespected truth with what he's saying here. And this is a methinks thou doth protest too much kind of moment for Brian Kelly. He's angry because he's getting questions that he knows are legit that are so frustrating because they're keeping him up every night. How do we get the guys that we need to be able to beat Nick Saban? How do we get the guys to beat Dabo Swinney when it actually counts? as opposed to mid-season. How do we get the athletes that can compete with Ohio State? So Notre Dame didn't belong with those other three teams. The question is, would Texas A&M have fared better? And the answer, we already know it, is no. Because Alabama beat Texas A&M by 28 points earlier this season. This was the problem, and this is where I'm actually going to give Brian Kelly a pass. 
you deserve to be there just as much as anybody else because nobody else was up to snuff either. You were the you were as good as the crop that was not going to be able to beat Alabama. If you put A&M in there, I don't think it's any better. Florida gave them a heck of a game, yes. But they also lost. Georgia got trucked earlier this year. Cincinnati would have gotten destroyed. BYU would have gotten annihilated. Coastal would have gotten annihilated. Iowa State, whoever it is that you want to put in there, there were three great teams coming into this season. Oklahoma, I think, maybe maybe gives them the better, the best game of everybody once everybody got back on that team, but even them, no. There were three great teams, and some were trying to argue there were just two. It was just Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State. I had, a, I had the same problem everybody else did. They only played six games. That's why I kind of understood what Dabo did, even though, yeah, he probably did it all for spite. At least that's the that's what some say. But I mean, what he was saying wasn't wrong. He did anybody that played less than nine games, he didn't put in the top ten. That was the only real knock. I mean, going into the season, the reason Ohio State so desperately wanted to play, or why their fans did at least. I mean, the kids wanted to play because the kids wanted to play. But the fans wanted them to play because they thought they could win a national championship and they thought they were screwed over by Clemson in the semifinal less than a year ago. But there were three great teams, we thought, going into this season. And the fourth was a little bit of fluctuated. Some people thought it would be Oklahoma. Some people did think maybe Notre Dame would be there. There were a handful of teams that were being mentioned. But those other three were pretty consensus across the board. So whoever was going to be in that four spot probably wasn't going to be able to give Alabama a game. So there, I agree with Brian Kelly. I'm not going to crush Notre Dame specifically. But it does go along with this last 22 years of history, 24 years of history. No, I'm doing bad math. 23 years of history. Where they haven't been able to win a BCS or a New Year's Six game and have not been within two touchdowns in any of those losses. The narrative exists. They got bigger, they got stronger. Now they've got to get faster. That's the same trouble everybody across the country has. One of those things. Brian Kelly arguing with a bunch of reporters and getting frustrated because they were asking him questions. They just didn't play very well. They didn't play as good as they needed to play to even keep that thing respectable. We didn't really need to watch that in the second half. Here's what Kelly said specifically about that game. I will just be clear, we were a little tentative. We shut our feet down, and you can't do that against highly skilled players. You have to be aggressive and attack those skilled players in space. If you shut your feet down for a second, they are gone. Like, that's a coach looking at things and saying, yeah, we didn't do a very good job of that. Right, but but you weren't going to, because then he goes on to say nobody's been able to stop them on the outside anyway, so it's not a problem unique to us. So what is it, Coach? Is it that you didn't do a good job of it, or it's unstoppable anyway? And if it's unstoppable anyway, then that goes back to the narrative again that you... Remember what the message 
if you heard about this, the last thing that Brian Kelly said to Notre Dame before they took the field, what he said to his players in the locker room, last thing he told them, the lasting message he wanted them to remember was, show that you deserve to be on this field. Think about what that actually means. It means prove that you're actually worth being out here with Alabama. Prove that you're not a joke. Prove that all of the storylines all week aren't real. And then they went out there and they lost by 17, scoring a late touchdown. They cost some people some money across the country. But never were they a threat to win that football game. Did they prove they deserved to be on the field? As much as anybody else, yes. But they proved what we already knew, first and foremost, which is they're still just a half step below where they need to be. If you want to, if need to be is on the level of Alabama and Clemson. I think Brian Kelly's done a very good job at Notre Dame because he has gotten them close and then they've lost in these games. Notre Dame's another one of those that's kind of, they have a lot more history than a Texas or a USC, but Notre Dame's another one that often gets a higher ranking than it probably deserves because it's Notre Dame. But this is not a new development that they go and get smacked around in a big-time bowl game. It happens all the time. And so when it happens again, expect to be asked about it by reporters that need to get a quote for their story. Don't get perturbed because it's true. The reason this upset Brian Kelly is because he knows it's legitimate. Nothing hurts worse than the truth. Doesn't mean Notre Dame didn't play hard. Doesn't mean they didn't have a great season. Doesn't mean that there's not a lot to be proud of. Does mean you got your butt kicked by Alabama and you got your butt kicked again in one of these kind of games. Does mean that we're going to ask you that question. And it does mean that the answer doesn't need to be, how dare you ask me these questions? Wait till we win. I'm going to be hell on wheels to deal with in a press conference once that happens. I'm not going to hold my breath, coach. Because even when you got bigger and stronger, you still needed to get faster. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I feel like there's still a ceiling for Notre Dame, and that ceiling's just a hair lower than the Clemson's, Ohio State's, and Alabama's of the world. And I just don't see it changing because... I have watched this movie, its sequel, the third, fourth, and fifth film, the sixth and seventh film of this series, and I'm not feeling like the Ocho is going to get the job done. Maybe I'm wrong. Follow me on Twitter, at jmartradio. Back in a moment, we'll look at the other game, Clemson and Ohio State, when we come back on Fox Sports Radio. We're live in the Fox Sports Radio studios. Glad to have you with us. First Sunday morning, the year 2021 on the Jason Martin Show. I'm Jason Martin in Nashville, Tennessee. On Twitter, Mart Radio is where you can find me. The crew is Eric Roberts, Chris Perfett, Brian Fenley. Third hour of the show, we will pick everything in Week 17. It's going to be kind of crazy because of who's going to play, who's not going to play. Look at some playoff scenarios, and I do want to talk about Tua Tonga-Vailoa and what's happening in Miami and what that might mean for the future in the NFL because I think it's a huge sea change potentially. But... We were talking during a break, all of us, about college football's biggest issues right now. One of them is that I'm not saying Notre Dame didn't deserve to be in that spot. I'm saying that it didn't matter who was there. They were going to get trounced anyway. We had come to a place where it was basically Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson were almost going to be pegged in year after year. And then the fourth team would rotate. Now, Oklahoma had a good little you know, two, three years in a row. They were there. LSU made it last year, of course. And Notre Dame's been there a couple of times. But college football just has these programs that that are always there. And you can't overcome once you seem to get there. And then Chris Perfetta asked me, he goes, are we sure Clemson is there anymore? Clemson got decimated by Ohio State. They were about a seven and a half point favorite were the Tigers and the Buckeyes won the game by three touchdowns. It was a game that I would say Justin Fields and that team took personally, not just because of the number 11 that Dabo put on them, but because of what happened in the semifinal one year ago where they felt like they were cheated. Twice. And of course, the Lave cut off that one route and led to the interception in the end zone that was the end of the game. But they thought T. Higgins fumbled, it was picked up, that was overturned. There were just a couple of plays that they, they didn't let go of. And Justin Fields, I think, knew that his star had slipped. Didn't play great against Indiana, didn't play very well at all against Northwestern. 
at one point it was one and two in the draft, and then it was, well, Trevor Lawrence is going one, but Justin Fields, uh, Zach Wilson may have taken that spot. And then Justin Fields might go a little bit later because there's other teams that might not need a quarterback at three or four. So he was out to try and prove, hey, you know, I can still get this done. I'm still pretty daggone good. I don't know why you've started sleeping on me. So he went for six touchdowns. But the two problems that have been created by the college football playoff so far is usually there's only two or three teams that really should be there. And then the second problem is that I'm I'm looking right now on the screen next to us here in the studio. Cincinnati and Georgia in the Peach Bowl. A replay, obviously. I watched some of this, but I didn't stick to it. Peach Bowl used to be something you would watch the day before New Year's, that night before, and it would be a decent decent matchup almost every year, and you'd care. And maybe it's just kind of exposed, why did we care? I remember in 1990, I went to the Florida Citrus Bowl with my dad and some friends. I was 12 years old, Virginia and Illinois. And thought it was one of the biggest things I'd ever attended in my life. But these bowl games now, outside of the semifinals and the championship game, be honest, how much of this stuff matters? I mean, the Orange Bowl happened last night, and I didn't watch a whole lot of that game. Because why? Who cares? Florida and Oklahoma played the other night. Kyle Trask threw all these interceptions. His entire receiving core opted out. We've seen superstars left and right not playing in these games. And here's the thing. If I was one of those guys and I had a decent draft grade, I wouldn't be anywhere near one of those bowl games if it wasn't a semifinal. So, in effect, the college football playoff has has exposed what we always probably, I don't know if it's just magnified it or what, because there was always going to be one bowl game, maybe two, that could determine the national champion. Sometimes you'd have the split championship because you'd have undefeated teams in multiple bowls or whatever. But for some reason, it felt like when I was growing up, bowl games actually did matter. But now they don't. Like, none of them do. The Gator Bowl, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And the college football playoff semis and final mean that you've got three games that are relevant and then a bunch of other stuff. And just like Texas A&M and North Carolina last night, I watched about half of the first quarter and then it was like, all right, time to go to the Mandalorian. Time to uh, finish up season 11 of Doctor Who. Time to play a little PS5. Time to fire up the Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Hey, the office is on Peacock now. Let's catch up on some of those extras that uh, we've never seen before. Like, I, 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 that's unthinkable. New Year's used to be watch football. And the bowl week, the week before, you would watch those games and for some reason you thought they mattered. And maybe it's just because I've gotten older and you can see through a lot of this now and you don't want to be so cynical about everything because you can make anything matter if you try hard enough. One of the things I always thought was so wonderful about Brent Musburger 
as an announcer is he could make me care about any game because of the way he called the game. There was a certain just gravitas and importance when he called a game. Felt the same way about Keith Jackson. And there are guys now, you just when you hear it, you're just like, all right, all right, this matters. And it's you can you can always trick yourself into that. I mean, same thing. I'm going to give you another pro wrestling analogy here. Pro wrestling is is about suspending your disbelief. It's about wanting to believe and allowing the product to help you in that endeavor. When the product can't make you believe. In many cases, it has lost, unless you're viewing it as an art form, which some people can. But it's the same thing with bowl games. like, And really, it's the same thing with regular season college basketball. I'm watching a little bit more of that this year than I have in the last few. But that's something I grew up on in ACC country and watched religiously. Those Jefferson Pilot Raycom games used to be on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights when I was growing up. Oh, my gosh, man. When those would hit, please, Dad, let me stay up tonight. Mom, let me stay up tonight. I want to watch North Carolina and Maryland. And now I find it tough to watch Kansas and Texas in the afternoon play a pretty important game in the Big 12 between two top 10 teams, mainly because I know both those schools are getting into the big dance. So, yeah, you can get real cynical overall about sports and realize just how little of it matters. There's 162 MLB games. Am I going to watch all those? Hell no. But still, somehow, when we get to the end of all of that, oftentimes there's a one-game playoff to determine the final spot. So it's like, okay, I guess all those games did matter because if one team won one less, that team's not getting into the postseason. So this thing, you have to will yourself sometimes into sports. But I just don't have it in me anymore to will myself into exhibition money-grab bowl games that the college football playoff has exposed. And look, the problem with the college football playoff past that is generally speaking, the semis haven't even been good most of the time. You sometimes get one good game out of the two. This year, I don't think you got one out of either. You'll get a classic, and then you'll get a trouncing. Sometimes you'll get two trouncings to lead to the national title game that the evil BCS might have given you anyway. There are significant issues in every sport, but the bowl system and the level of meaningless that it holds for me, and I just don't believe I'm alone. We might have it on in the background, but we're not sitting there paying attention. And dudes aren't achieving much of anything in those games, even with great performances. I might see a great performance in a headline after the fact, oh, wow, that's a heck of a bowl game performance by that guy. And even when, like, like, what's the win for Cincinnati to play Georgia, right? Like, if they win, uh, Georgia didn't want to be there. They're an SEC school. And if they lose, psh, exactly. Didn't deserve it in the first place. This is a no-win situation. I did watch some of that game, a good bit of it, actually, because you could tell Georgia did want to be there. Because then they had found their quarterback and they were playing against a solid defense, but they wanted to show what they could be had they had JT Daniels all season. They came back and won that game, and it was pretty good. 
And it's not that there's not any drama in these games. It's just me having to sit there and wonder which teams care. That's a little bit too much for me. I, I can't I can't do that. The semis, I know those teams scared. It didn't matter because Notre Dame lost, even though Brian Kelly was angry about the narrative. But the Clemson storyline is more interesting, and that's what I want to get into a little deeper because their last two playoff losses, they've had something pretty remarkable in common that I'm going to bring to you in a second. Let's bring in Brian Fenley first and get a look at what's trending. B? Thanks, Jason. Texas A&M's Devon A-Chain busting off two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to jolt the Aggies by number 14 North Carolina, 41-27 at the Orange Bowl. A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher pulled his hamstring running away from getting a tub full of Gatorade dumped on him. And afterwards, Fisher on ESPN applauded his players for their effort in this game despite missing the college football playoff. We walked in, we said, we don't care. We're going to play the best Orange Bowl we can possibly play. We're going to lay the groundwork. And they, their whole mindset went one out. I know it hurt them inside, but it tells about the character of this team. And for nobody to take a step out, nobody thought about opting out of the game. They all played because they all wanted to love, trust, and believe in each other. They had a responsibility to each other. There was something proud right there. Fisher channeling his great order skills. Number 12, Iowa State embarrasses number 25, Oregon, 34-17 at the Fiesta Bowl. The Ducks not only had five turnovers, they had a penalty, rescind a touchdown, and were 0 for 6 on third down. Also, Ole Miss washes out 11th-ranked Indiana, 26-20 at the Outback Bowl. Kentucky squeezes by 24th-ranked North Carolina State, 23-21 at the Gator Bowl. The Texas Longhorns take Steve Sarkeesian away from Alabama, making him head coach on the same day UT disposed of Tom Herman. NFL Network indicating Washington quarterback Alex Smith, who's been dealing with a calf injury, is starting today and will have an abundance of playmakers to work with, including running back Antonio Gibson, who's been dealing with a toe injury, and wide receiver Terry McLaurin has an ankle issue. And the Rams view running back Cam Akers, who has been bogged down with an ankle injury as a game-time decision today against the Cardinals. The L.A. Brass will observe how Akers moves in pregame activities to judge his status. Jason Martin, lots on the line for a lot of teams when it comes to NFL playoffs. Back to you. Indeed, it's going to be wild, and we're going to talk a lot of NFL in the third hour of the show, including our weekly picks, and we'll find out how we did last week. It's the final week of the regular season, so the picks are going to be Interesting, to say the least. We're all in the fight against COVID-19. Ford Motor Company doing their part by manufacturing and donating 100 million masks to underserved communities. Ford encourages everybody to join the effort. We're closer than ever to winning this fight. Next few weeks continue to be crucial. Ford says let's hold the line. Continue to social distance. Wear those masks. Look out for each other so we can get back to where we were. Together we can get it done. Let's finish strong. A message from the Ford Motor Company. Clemson has been crushed in their last two playoff losses. LSU and that great offense blitzkrieged them last year. And this year, their two losses, Notre Dame put up 40 on them, and Ohio State nearly put up 50 on them. If you recall last week on this show, we talked about defense and how we needed to start looking at it differently in football because it just is different. I heard Bernie Frado say this 
on Straight Out of Vegas before we came on the air, and it's very similar to something I said last week. He was talking about how to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a team that can score with them. That's absolutely right. That's the way I address it as well. Because you're not going to have a defense that's going to consistently stop Patrick Mahomes. You're just not. To beat the Chiefs, you probably got to score 35. To beat the Chiefs, as Jeff Schwartz famously joked with me on Fox Sports Radio last month, the way to beat the Chiefs is to be up nine with two minutes left. You've got to be able to outscore teams because no longer are the 85 Bears a team that exists or the turn of the century Ravens or the 2015-2016 Broncos, the Legion of Boom or the Orange Crush or the Purple People Leaders or the Iron Curtain, like all the Steel Curtain, all of that. Like that stuff's not there anymore. Alabama's all-time dominant and they're giving up a ton of points at times this season. And it's probably going to be a high-scoring national championship game between Ohio State and Alabama. But Brent Venables is always in a discussion for coaching jobs, and he usually pulls his name out. And the, the thought over the years has been, this is a guy that's so driven and so competitive that he can't handle losing in a way that if he goes to a school and has anything less than Clemson-level success he might just spontaneously combust. And there are guys like that. Doug Collins was always like that as a coach, sweating through his shirts. He would be so intense and couldn't handle losing that he would wear out the players that were with him. Not that they hated him, just that, my gosh, man, back down. You're going to hurt yourself. They were worried for his safety. They were worried for his health. There are guys that are driven that way, and Venables has been known to be that guy. Other problem for Brent Venables is, his defenses are now giving up some points. Against top-flight opponents, they're unable to stop anybody. Again, Notre Dame scored a ton of points on that defense. They were missing some key guys early, and then they played a lot better the second time. Last year, LSU couldn't be stopped all night long. and It didn't matter what Trevor Lawrence did. Everybody's anointed Trevor Lawrence as a deity, basically. He's right there with Andrew Luck and John Elway and Peyton Manning as the can't-miss quarterbacks. Definite number one pick. He could not score with Ohio State last night. He could not score with Joe Burrow a season ago. He's going to leave Clemson without ever winning the Heisman Trophy, despite it being his award the last two years, and then something stopping him. But we got to start looking at defense differently. Defense is, can you get a couple turnovers? And then, can your offense be on the field more than theirs? Time of possession usually does matter. Best defense right now is an offense that keeps Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines in Kansas City watching you. Best defense against Kansas City is 20 play drives that end in touchdowns for your offense. Quick strike offenses mean your defense is exhausted and you're probably going to have to win like they had the Chiefs-Rams game years ago, the 54-51 Monday Night Football game from like two, three years ago. That's what you end up playing and you're exhausted. Your defense is worn out and then you might get beat 60-50. to 50. So the best, the best way to play offense against some of these teams is lengthy drives that end in the end zone but soak up seven or eight minutes. Let your defense get some oxygen and try to break the rhythm of the high-powered 
machine on the other side. But the Clemson problem is interesting because when they're getting beaten right now, they're getting beaten by giving up 40 or more points. I don't know what that means for Venables or what that means. I mean, they Skulski got kicked out of the game for the targeting penalty. The leader of the defense had a targeting penalty against Notre Dame, so he was unavailable in the first half. They took advantage of that. By the time he got out there, he was rusty, and he had nothing for Ohio State in the second half. So you can point to circumstances, but Clemson has found a way to get excused rudely in the last couple of years. And that's going to be eye-opening as Trevor leaves now with just the one national championship. And what does Clemson do? They've got DJ. He can play. But the defense is going to have to do a little bit more than it's been doing. Or we're going to have to start looking at Clemson as the team that, are they going to be able to hold on? Because, again, it is tough to stay there in college football. We'll finish up the second hour of the program. Jason Martin Show, when we come back on Fox Sports Radio. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Finishing up second hour. Welcome back, Fox Sports Radio Studios. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Jason Martin is the name. Jason Martin's show is the name of the show. I'm on Twitter at JMAR Radio. Eric, Brian, and Chris out in Los Angeles with me. Kellen Moore gets a nice amount of money to stay with the Cowboys. Says, now nah, I guess I'm not going to Boise State. Interesting. I thought he actually might take that gig. But he's going to stick with Dallas. Takes a multi-year extension. It's going to be a three-year deal. It looks like, according to a source at least. 
Dallas, I don't think, has officially announced it. Brian Harson took the Auburn job, the former coach at Boise State. And Kellen Moore, of course, is one of, if not the most famous player from that whole like Boise era. He won 50 games as a quarterback. But it's interesting. He says, we're building something special here in Dallas. I'm thankful to the Jones family and Mike McCarthy for providing me with the opportunity to coach these special players. I'm excited for us to put it all together and finish the job. What job is that? Because you're not going to finish it this year, right? It's just an intriguing move because, boy, you want to talk about favorite son going back to Boise. That, that just means maybe that job is a little tough. Harson won a lot of games there. I think he was 40 games over 500 there, something like that. He had turned down a lot of Power 5 jobs before he finally took the Auburn gig because he was looking for a fairly high-profile position, apparently. This is just a second season for Kellen Moore in that role as OC with the Cowboys. Last year, Top-ranked offense in yards per game. Second in passing, fifth in rushing. This year, different, of course, with Dak going down and other injuries and Andy Dalton coming in. Uh, They've actually had Ben DiNucci and Garrett Gilbert both play quarterback this year. It's very obvious that Kellen Moore has a pretty bright future. Maybe he just wants to stick in the NFL. Maybe he even thinks he could take over for Mike McCarthy if that doesn't work out next year. They give him the extension. Maybe he's the in-house guy. Maybe he's the Sark, but he's not going to take the Texas gig. He's going to wait out what happens there. Boise would have been a nice fit, but maybe he also looked at what happened with Scott Frost going back home to Nebraska and thought, eh, I'm in a decent spot here, and they want to pay me to stay here. And I think that any real issues that you would have with his play calling or anything this year, I think you can excuse it away. I think you can even look at that if you're Kellen Moore and say, I'm not really going to be dogged for anything that's happened this year. Once your starting quarterback goes down the way ours did, it's just kind of a lost year. Plus COVID and everything else, this one's going to fall through the cracks. We come back next year and win 10 games, win 12 games. We're going to be in pretty good shape, and I believe in that. Tells me this is what it this is. It tells me two things: one, either he feels like he can be the head coach there, or he really believes in Dak Prescott, which maybe he should. But it's interesting. I thought maybe he would take that Boise gig. Seemed like maybe could be made for college. Looks like he's made for the pros. We'll be back. Third hour of the program, Jason Martin show, first of twenty twenty one. Live in the Fox Sports Radio studios here in Nashville. I'm on Twitter at Jmart Radio. You can find me there. It's week 17 in the NFL. Coming up next segment and throughout the rest of the show, once we get there, we will do our picks. We'll pick every game top to bottom. Talk a little playoffs as well. But I want to talk about the quarterback spot and what we're seeing and how it might be changing the future. Last week, I did a lot on Tua Tonga-Vailoa and trying to understand what Brian Flores was doing and thinking maybe it was just Tua's character and his personality that told Brian Flores it was safe to bench him twice because he's going to react right. Unlike a lot of people, that it would be very hard for them, and maybe it was hard for Tua, just quiet and humble and, hey, I'm going to learn from this. I know i got to take more shots downfield. But since that point in time, 
a couple of articles and a couple of things have been said, and it's made me think something different, not about Flores in particular, but about this situation and what it means. Tua was taken fifth overall. The Dolphins have another top five pick likely coming up that belongs to the Texans, but because of the Tunsil deal, now it's the Dolphins. And you would think, hey, man, go get a wide receiver, maybe get another offensive lineman, get a piece for your young quarterback. But the articles that I've read and speculation from some executives in the league has been maybe they should take a quarterback. And that sounds insane. You just took Tua. But maybe it's not insane. For a while now, a lot of us have thought, if you don't have a quarterback, you should draft one every year until you do, because until you have a quarterback, you have a big-time ceiling on what you can do. But if you're Miami and you've watched Tua Tonga-Vailoa and you actually believe, hey, his ceiling's kind of average, then if you fall in love with a quarterback, you just take one. This has happened in recent years because you saw Josh Rosen given up on after one year when Kingsbury and Kyler Murray came in in Arizona. The leash is a lot shorter on draft picks now. The pay scale makes it so that you can still do it. And here's the most fascinating part here. Let's say you feel like two is maybe not your best option because Fitzpatrick's actually worth more points. Offensively, he's going to be able to make the plays to a Kent. One thing that you caught on camera was Fitzpatrick speaking to Tua after he got benched and saying, hey man, sometimes you've got to throw guys open or you've got to throw when they're not really open. They're not going to be Alabama open the way that Jerry Judy was running empty or Henry Ruggs was running 10 yards, 10 yards clear of guys. What, they, what he saw there, he's not going to see in the NFL. And maybe Miami thinks that's just not something he can do. But when Tua said, hey, i got to take more shots downfield, in his comments about being benched and knowing that he had to, had to do more, what he's really saying is, yeah, I've got to start taking more risks with my throws and throwing into tighter windows because that's all there is in the NFL. Very rarely is somebody running wide open in the National Football League. And to be a quarterback, you can't go 17-22 for, I think, 94 yards in a game. Like, you've got to throw it downfield. And he wasn't doing it, so maybe Miami thinks he can't do it. Can you imagine if they took Zach Wilson or Justin Fields this year? It seems insane, but here's the thing that that made me think differently about it. I didn't see this necessarily in the articles, but I thought about it myself in kind of reaction to those articles. If I've got Tua Tonga-Vailoa, less so about Josh Rosen, okay? Because that was just such a bad situation overall in Arizona. But if I got Tua Tonga-Vailoa and I'm Miami, are you telling me that there's not a bunch of other teams that loved him in the draft also and that want to make sure that he can't play? Like, yeah, maybe his value's down, but he's still an asset, especially at the money you can get him for. If you believe, you're telling me there's not teams out there that would value him pretty highly. And as a result, Miami has a very lucrative asset 
in this quarterback that they drafted early. They wouldn't just be cutting him. He's not going to the scrap heap. This is not Dwayne Haskins. But that, again, that's another top 20 pick that's been cut pretty quickly. Things have changed because of the pay scale and everything else. Teams are not waiting the way that they used to wait. So if Miami has a quarterback that they feel like has a much higher ceiling or a clearer ceiling while they have this window that's about to open with all the draft assets that they have in the next few years and what they feel like they've already got on that team, could they cut bait with Tua knowing that they can move him on and then bring in another quarterback that they think could be their answer? It seems nuts. Personally, I want to see Tua another year in Miami before I'm willing to say he can't play or a lot of this was the Alabama system and not him. But you could see it. This this would seem unthinkable five years ago, but after we saw it happen in Arizona and after you've seen Fitzpatrick come in twice because Flores has basically intimated, yeah, down the stretch, we think he's going to give us a better chance to win. And think about this. When you found out that he wasn't going to be available for the Dolphins, you all of a sudden started thinking, oh, the Dolphins might be the team that's on the outside looking in if they've got to go with Tua. Think about that a year ago, that that's what we would be saying today. There's a learning curve between Alabama and the NFL or anywhere else in the NFL. At Alabama, the level of wide receiving talent is so absurd. Tua isn't used to having to throw into tight windows. That's a big-time learning curve, and now you have to find out how accurate he really is. And maybe the Dolphins have seen through the course of practice and just observing him in the game that there's something fundamentally wrong with the way he's playing quarterback on the NFL level that they're not sure they can fix enough for him to be the guy that can take them where they need to go. When you look at the AFC East right now, you assume the Patriots are going to reload, but they're probably in full-on rebuild mode another year. Like, there's, there are numerous problems. They've got to get talent in a lot of different spots. First and foremost, quarterback. The Jets are the Jets. Looks like Gase is going to be out probably by Monday morning. And we're going to get another one there. And we'll see what happens with Darnold or what they're going to do there. And then Buffalo looks fantastic. Buffalo right now is the second best team in the AFC. I'm not sure it's even close. They already beat Pittsburgh. I know the Titans beat them earlier in the season. If they replayed that game right now, Buffalo would win it by two touchdowns. I love what the Bills have built. So you're really, if you're in the AFC East and you're Miami, you're like, okay, we have to be able to score with Buffalo. Can Tua score with Buffalo? How much of it is our lack of weapons and how much of it is his skill set and what he got accustomed to at Alabama that he can't have here? Because it just doesn't exist in the NFL. Now think about your team and think about them drafting quarterbacks and think about how different it could look with the, the way the rookie pay scale is set up. Maybe you cut bait after a year. 
or you try to move that guy while there's still value, but you kind of decided, hey, you know, I think we can go in a different direction and be better. I'm not suggesting that's what Miami should do. I'm actually sitting here doing this behind this microphone right now with eyes that are very, very open because I'm kind of shocked that I'm actually saying this out loud. And I bet a lot of you are shocked to hear it. Last week I explained why I thought Flores might be a mad scientist genius because he had a guy with the character level of Tuatanga Vailoa that could accept this and get better because of it instead of going into a shell. And now, this week, even though I don't think that what I said last week is invalid, after reading these articles this week and hearing Tannenbaum and some of these other people that have come out and said, hey, Miami might really consider drafting a quarterback here, like at first I'm just like, no. And then you stop and think about it. You're like, well, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. If they don't think Tua, if they've seen enough to feel like even if Tua gets to be very good, how good is very good? How much do we need him to be? And how much do we love Zach Wilson? How much do we love Justin Fields? Can we get that guy? Is that worth it? And then we can see what the market is for Tua. And maybe that's the answer. What's the market for Tua? Figure out what it is. Find out how deep it is. Get somebody to make a splash. And go draft what you want. Or maybe even go acquire a veteran guy that gives you more time to find the guy that you want. I'm not talking about Fitzpatrick here. I'm talking about one of the real veteran guys out there. Like maybe it's time to go grab Stafford. Maybe it's time to see if Matt Ryan wants to play outdoors. Some of those guys that could be available out there. It sounds nuts. But there's... There is actual rationale behind this. And now there's recent history behind it because we saw Josh Rosen, a top 15 pick, jettisoned after one year in favor of the number one pick in the draft because, hey, we can get better at quarterback, so we're going to get better at quarterback. I'm not cutting bait on Tua yet. I still think he can play. Health was the only thing I was concerned about, but I got to admit, Miami seems to be devaluing him a little bit in their own calculations by who's on the field and when. And that offense with him right now doesn't scare anybody. How big a learning curve is this? How much do we not know about what they're seeing in practice from him? Because I just don't think a lot of people are putting this out there. We saw, I saw at least two articles and multiple NFL experts talk about it this week. I don't think they're throwing that out there just out of nowhere. That's got to be a conversation that's actually being had somewhere. How close is that to actual reality? And on the level of shockers, how high would it be? Tua, not because of health, but just because we're not sure he's the guy on this level. He gets jettisoned after a year, or you just bring in another quarterback. You still draft another quarterback, and then you let them fight it out to see who the starter is in Miami next year. Think about that for a second. Is there anything that would stun you more than that? Remember what we were talking about two or two years ago? Can he can he leave school after after his freshman year? 
Because there's 25 teams in the league that would rather have him than their starting quarterback. And now one year in, I'm literally saying this, and I'm not saying it to be provocative. I'm saying it because I'm trying to explain why I'm seeing this written in multiple spots. It's not because they're trying to get clicks. It's because there's something here. And that's going to be fascinating to watch this offseason. Fascinating. When we come back, we will do our NFL picks. Final week of the regular season, we'll find out how we did last week, where we stack up, and we'll let you know how we think it's going to go down in Week 17 in the NFL. That is next on the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back. Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio, live in the FSR studios. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, Cruise in L.A. You can't tell that, though. We're all in the same room to you. We're all in the Fox Sports Radio studios, I can tell you that much. I'm on Twitter at Jmar Radio. Final week of the NFL regular season. We're going to have that super wild card, two triple headers next weekend. Boy, that's going to be beautiful. I can't wait for the NFL playoffs. It's so open. Like, I know Kansas City should win it. That's who I've got winning it. But there's a lot of teams that are just kind of scratching and clawing. But there's not a bunch of just really bad teams that are going to make the playoffs. Like, we've had some bad wild card matchups. I'm not so sure we're going to have that many of those or any of those this year. And I'm happy about that. I don't know if I'm happy about how we did last week. I'm not sure. We bring in the crew. This is where we pick all the games. Literally everybody is in action today. There's no Monday night game. There were no Saturday games. There's no buys. Everybody 
is in action. So we got a lot of games to run through. Chris, how did last week go? Well, first off, you say there's going to be no bad wild cards. I think I can say safely here that the NFC, NFC East. East. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I, for, I forgot about that. But, I mean, if it's <laughs> Dallas, I mean, at least there's, there's talent one. on the field, right? Uh, are we sure about that? Okay. Um, so we had, a pretty middling, we had a pretty middling week last week of course for we everyone. Did. Jason, you went 9-5. and five. You're the big winner of the week. You were the only one who have Pittsburgh over Indianapolis. So props to you on that. Yes. Uh, the rest of us, myself... Uh, Kevin O'Connell, who was filling in for Eric Roberts, uh, and Brian Fenley, all eight and six. Uh, Kevin sends a was the only one to pick New England over Buffalo. So Eric has that on his. Yeah, record. that was a problem. Come on. Guys. Yeah, that's that's. I feel like I should just bump up Eric to nine and five. That's a because Pat's of that. fan out of spite. <laughs> I think there's no way you would have picked that one. Yeah, yeah, and obviously I'll air myself out on air. I I had, you know, we picked the. The college football playoff games. I had yeah. Notre Dame. I went yeah. out on that. That blew up. Um, however, I will also redeem myself a little bit in that I even on our way out was saying I feel really uncomfortable that we all went across the board on Clemson. Yeah. And sure enough, I I apparently didn't go against the grain on the right <laughs> on the right playoff game. I almost did. I told my wife right before the game kicked off yesterday. I'm like, I just have a feeling. As we were on Ohio air, I was State's going to beat Clemson. I was chewing on my lip, and I was about to say, you know what, I'm going to go Ohio State, and I just didn't pull the trigger. Yeah, well, we're both just right now trying to explain away the fact that we still got losses on that because we all took Clemson. So that's yeah. that's the way it rolls. Uh, did there you is, did Finley also, take the Jets last week? Yeah, I, you will you will notice yes. you will notice yeah. that I did not bring that up because yeah. I have banned the mark the tape on the Jets. Am I? I yeah, I mean, well, you said you said Chris, you said mark the tape with Notre Dame. Yeah, that was you a thought, different game. So just give me some credit. I picked the Jets and I won, baby. Take that. I'll give you half a credit. Okay. Perfect. I will give you half a credit. It will it will even out somehow. <laughs> two half credits, two wins. You get a full credit. Fantastic. That's that and fifty cents might get you a cup of coffee. I don't know. Maybe not in California, but maybe here in Nashville. All right, let's do it. Miami at Buffalo. That's where we lead off. Uh, tell me something, Eric, because I need Stefan Diggs to play today. I'm in my fantasy Super Bowl, which for some reason my league is actually the championship. Week two is that's, today. That's a problem. I, let's I get, hate Let's it. get past that. I, uh, week 17 championship fantasy football is just atrocious. I got Mahomes as my quarterback, um, so I had to go grab somebody off the waiver wire this week. Like That that should never happen again. Everything I've read is that the Bills are players are planning like they're playing tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to be much past this first half, um, but Josh Allen says he's playing. I think they're going to be playing in some capacity for – at least a quarter, I would say. Um, they want that second seed. I think they don't want to leave Buffalo until they got to go to Arrowhead. So I think the Bills will win. Um, how much of the A squad you see, I don't know. We'll see. But at the Bills, I'm going to go with the Bills, obviously. Yeah, so am I. I know Miami has to win this game or, or get a lot of help. Otherwise, the Fitzpatrick thing, the quarterback thing really has me weirded out i don't know if all of a sudden they're going to be able to show up against the bills they don't have their the bills anymore yeah if the bills are trying to win i think the bills will win so i'll take buffalo yeah you know what i came in here and i had written down all my stuff because i also do picks with a bunch of my other friends and i've done them in eight different places and i had miami going into this but i think you guys read some good points and i'm going to change horses in the middle of the stream here just because i, I this this seems like it's set up for miami to fall apart so i'm going to take buffalo Changing horses midstream, that's 
pretty much on cue for for Chris P over there. Uh, by the way, I'm going with his selection, and I'm I'm not trying to tarnish his pick, but yes, I think the Bills are going to win this game. If Miami had Fitzpatrick, I would be a little bit more confident, but just two out there by himself, not so much. Bills will win. It'll be close, but Bills will win. It's called updated information. All good gamblers and investors (laughs) need it. Yeah, there you go. Baltimore at Cincinnati. Ravens got to win this one. Uh, Cincinnati, I know that they have played very hard, but I think Baltimore just runs the ball down their throat. Cincinnati can't stop the run at all. I think the Ravens win this game, and it's another one of those things where everybody's like, oh, Baltimore looks great, which I still think is fake based on the sky. I told you they were going to finish this way based on who they were playing. I said this like five weeks ago. Everybody's going to be, oh, you don't want to see Baltimore. I still do. I don't think they're that good, but I do think they're getting into the playoffs, and I do think they're going to beat Cincinnati. No, I've seen this playbook before when it comes to Baltimore in the playoffs. We saw it last year, too. It's just I think it might even come down uh, sooner. I'm just trying to figure out. Uh, I I don't. Yeah, I. They're not. Is, losing is it going to be Bengals, Ryan Chris. Finley? Is it going to be Brian's I, uh, yeah, uh, doppelganger quarterbacking? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah, Ravens. Yeah, Baltimore guys. Baltimore's doing such a better job running the football, and then at the quarterback position, Lamar Jackson is showing a little bit more than we've seen from him through the air. It's got to be Baltimore, unless Ryan Finley is quarterback for Cincy. I don't think that's going to happen, though. See, Finley just said, I told everybody, oh, Lamar Jackson's good again. No, look who they've played in the the last five weeks. Yeah, Yeah, that's all he wants. Some good sound bites. Speaking of drops, let's talk about the Steelers. No, I'm just talking about their wide receivers. And Eric uh, Yeah, and Eric Ebron, who's out. Uh, He's not playing today. Roethlisberger's not playing. Mason Rudolph is playing in the uh, Rudolph versus Garrett game. Uh, the Browns have to win this because of what happened last week with their receiving core being out and dropping the game to the Jets. Pittsburgh, I don't know how much any of their talent is going to play because it looks like they're fine just being the three seed and letting Buffalo go ahead and hold on to number two. I think Cleveland should win this game. I don't know that they'll win it by as much as Vegas claims they're going to win it by, which I think is a double-digit spread right now. But I do think Cleveland's going to be okay. The problem there is they haven't been able to practice much. They've had to close their facility three times in the last four days. I don't know what to make of this, but this Browns team, I want to see them in the playoffs, so I'm going to, I'm going to pull for them because I think it's better for the NFL this year for them to get in over, for example, Miami. All reports I have is that Mason Rudolph is starting for yes, he the, is. The, the Steelers. So, yeah, there's... You, you wanted a drops. You wanted drops, so here's a drop. Cleveland! Okay. Yeah, my well out done. on a limb pick was the Browns to win the AFC North. I know that's not going to happen now, but I want the exclamation point on an almost correct pick. Browns over the Steelers. I'm going with the Steelers. This is a prove-it game for Rudolph, and like you pointed out, Jason, there's a whole lot of distractions with the facility being shut down and all of those issues about not being able to practice. Rudolph has something to prove here, and he might not have a lot of, you know, perennial good weapons around him, but he really wants to win this game, and I think he's going to prove some people wrong. Yeah, I think he's going to prove them right. Uh, (laughs) Minnesota at Detroit. Detroit quit against Tampa Bay. It's just kind of like, all right, this team doesn't really want to play football anymore. I don't know how – I mean, Minnesota's just a better team right now. Detroit's just rudderless. We're going to find out about them next year. It's not that they have no heart. It's that everything got taken away. They 
then then their chances to make the postseason ended. Then they went to Tennessee, and then against Tampa Bay, it was just like nobody wearing a Detroit jersey wants to be out there, so I'll take the Vikings. Well, here's the thing about last week is that there was no one coaching that team. It was right. it was Robert Prince who uh, once coached in the Japanese X League. It, uh, it, it you know, COVID tracing everything. And, of course, Stafford's going to play in this game. I don't know how long because, once again, no one seems to be telling Stafford he needs to shut it down for the year. And he just wants to go out there and just charge uh, headlong into whatever meets him. I don't know if the Vikings are really that good right now. These are two teams that are kind of on the opposite side of their own mirror in that they both are way away from where they should have been to start the year. Agreed on that. Vikings are coming off three pretty bad losses, and yet I just I, I think at some point there's going to be a hit on Stafford, and they're going to someone from up on high, probably Chris Spielman. There's no one in the front office is going to come down, tell him to take Stafford out of the game, Minnesota. I'm just going to say Matt Stafford wins this game while I go Google the Japanese X League. Yeah, I was about to say, is that like, is that esports? Yeah, no, pick- no, it's it's a real league. So actually, funny enough, I think what happened tonight was it's something called the Rice Bowl. This would blow the, the minds of an American sports fan. So in the Rice Bowl, you have the college football, you have college football in Japan, and then you have like semi-pro professional, and I think that's the X League. And in the Rice Bowl, the best college team plays the best pro team. Wow. Yeah. Literally, those Bama, will Bama beat the Browns of the late? <laughs> yes. Bad. This is literally, say. it comes to life. Wow. That's kind of awesome, actually. Yeah, I, want I would that. watch that. I, I, think, I think we should make the Jets or, or, the, or the Jaguars play whoever wins uh, the, the, the college football. There playoff. you go. I'm going with the Lions. Is the whole Detroit front office just a bunch of pushovers to Matt Stafford and him wanting to play with nothing on the line? Because he is, and he's showed that he's battle-tested, I'm going to give him the edge because there's nothing with Minnesota and all the injuries that they've been ravaged with that gives me the confidence that they're going to come out with a win. Did everybody pick there? Yes. Okay, all right. I didn't. I didn't hear. Got Eric, derailed but I guess by the Jets. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. The X League shook me, man. I, I don't know what to do after that. Jets at Patriots. Oh my gosh, what a bad football oh, no. game this is, man. I. I mean, Belichick has to win this, right? I mean, it, it's the Jets ain't winning three in a row. I'm taking the Patriots, but gosh, what an awful game this is. Fenley, you want me to mark the tape? <laughs> I'll mark the tape. You know Get where F8 I'm going with this. Gase is done F8 today. Ready. Well, I'm going to make I'm going to hand him off of the pass because uh, honestly, I kind of like the Jets. Here. That's I right, too, but I can't this do it. Is, this is one of these games where it's like this is the ghosts and the demons of yesteryear. You've been beaten down by New England for how many years here, and suddenly you're coming off hot, too strong. You don't care about uh, you know draft position position. Be damned. You're just going to win a couple of games. And I feel like they're going to try to exercise the demons while New England's just going to properly phone it in. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Jets. The problem is the Pats have looked so bad recently. Yes. Stadium ended the game last week against the Bills. He looked awful. Cam looked awful. And you just see, well, the Jets have strung together two wins. I mean, they kind of been in a couple games. (sighs) But I can't do it. I'm going to pick Bill Belichick. He can't lose to the Jets. Exactly. He can't. 
I, I thought Jared Stidham was throwing bounce passes out there when he, he was. was Might have been. I mean, so it, 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 it was awful. horrendous. Who's the best quarterback in this game? Sam Darnold. Yeah, Who you're does right. New England have to throw it to? No Julian Edelman, from what I know. It has to be the Jets. They are going to win this game to send off Adam Gase on a good note. <laughs> <laughs> Three straight right into your walking yes. papers. Bro, I can't do it, man. I I can't, and I wanted to. I want to so bad. I'm just like, I think the Jets might be better, but nope, 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 nope. I cannot pull for an Adam Gase team. I can't predict one to win. Dallas the hot at, hand. No. No. I'm, I'm rolling up a newspaper and hitting you like you're a dog right now. Dude. Nope. <laughs> nope. Dallas at New York. Uh, Dallas. Yeah, I, I, Dallas. I, I like to root for chaos in the NFC, so I'm going Giants, guys. I want the the most anarchy I can I can predict. So, well, Giants. how much how much more do you need? Like, how much more anarchy <laughs> can there be? What Finley. was what was Daniel Jones thinking when he told reporters that I can only be confined to the pocket? Like, I can't really run right now. I'm not feeling great. So, hey, guess what? Other team. Tee off on me. Yeah, exactly. So I got to go with Dallas. I don't understand how, and I, I think Joe Judge got pretty mad at him and Jones for exposing state secrets, but because you do that and the way Dallas is playing lately, Cowboys are going to win this division. Atlanta at Tampa Bay. I mean, Atlanta's probably going to give this a fight. This is the kind of game I could see Tampa losing for some reason, but Tom Brady right now at this time of year, I trust Tampa Bay. I feel like they've righted the ship in a lot of ways. Antonio Brown's caught a touchdown over the last couple of games as well. They're starting to round into the right kind of form for the playoffs. I don't think that they're going to – I don't think Atlanta's going on the road and beating the Bucks tomorrow or today. I don't think so. So we're going to get into this a little later if we have time, but uh, there were some really interesting opening lines this week just showing you where Vegas knows some guys are resting. Not the case for Tampa Bay. They open, I think, a touchdown favorite – against Atlanta. Atlanta, they've been showing some heart, but that heart is not enough to win. And Tampa Bay mm-hmm. needs this game more. So it's it's about who do you trust, you know? Batman, Jack Nicholson, who do you trust? Hubba, hubba, hubba. So yeah. T- Tampa Bay right now. Yeah, Tampa over Atlanta. I do want to take this time to highlight my Super Bowl pick, Bills over Buccaneers. I just want to say, and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Fenley? Do you guys realize that the Falcons have been so close in the yes. last four games, whether they've yes. lost within five points or less. This is the game where they tee off and they get that trademark win that they've been missing. They've been so close to getting, but just had fallen short. This is the game, oh. a surprise win for Atlanta. They only stay I think close they're going to lose by three touchdowns. And, they only stay <laughs> close for horseshoes and hand grenades, and the Falcons are neither one of those things. <laughs> yeah, it's all W's and L's. There's no style points in the NFL. All right, Finley, let's get one more look at the, uh, at the, at the latest, and we'll come back and keep picking games. Yeah, I'll jump right into some of the injury notes as it relates to the NFL. NFL Network reporting Washington quarterback Alex Smith, who's been dealing with a calf injury, is starting today. Running back Antonio Gibson hobbled with a toe injury and wide receiver Terry McLaurin, bothered by an ankle issue, are set on playing as well. The Rams view running back Cam Akers, who's been dealing with an ankle injury, as a game-time decision today against the Cardinals. Those Arizona Cardinals, their running back Chase Edmonds, maligned by a hip injury, has a strong shot of playing today. Ravens ball carrier Gus Edwards looks like he'll go. He's technically questionable with a back injury. Fellow running back Mark Ingram appears out with an illness and Cardinals wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald has just a slim chance of seeing the field 
in week 17 as he is saddled with a groin issue. Quickly in college football, Texas A&M devastates number 14 North Carolina 41-25 as the number 5 ranked Aggies win the Orange Bowl. Number 12 Iowa State embarrasses 25th ranked Oregon 34-17 at the Fiesta Bowl. Ole Miss and Kentucky both get bull wins and the Texas Longhorns woo Steve Sarkeesian the former offensive coordinator for Alabama to Austin making him the head coach on the same day UT fires disposes of Tom Herman back to Jason Martin sounds like to me they fired Tom Herman knowing Sarkeesian was coming in there I don't, I don't think they pulled an Auburn on that one not at all all right back to the games we are in the Fox Sports Radio studios by the way Green Bay at Chicago all right NFC North I was massively impressed with the Green Bay Packers a week ago I finally buy in I think they're the best team in the NFC I know what Chicago's been doing with Trubisky I think it might have saved Matt Nagy's job. Maybe it's talked them into paying Trubisky. But this game right here, I know they need it. I just don't see it. I think Green Bay beats them. I hope everything, as a Lions fan, I hope everything you said right there about keeping Nagy, about keeping Trubisky, is proven right. Because you know why? The pumpkin is, it's a bat. the carriage is now a pumpkin again. <laughs> I hate Chicago. I hate them so much. Their dreams are dying here. I want them dead. I want them on a platter, dead, Green Bay. Yeah, after watching what the Packers did in the snow last week, I don't know if there's anybody. I don't. This is coming from a Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs guy. I don't know if there's anybody better than Rodgers and Adams. They're looking great, so Packers yeah. over Bears. I get it, the Packers, if they win, they can clinch the one seed, but there's something about Mitch Trubisky, and I know this is going to drive Chris. Yeah, that's there's something There's nothing not about good. Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> he nothing. is the truth. This guy... I don't know what it's been like for you him. You sit on a throne of lies. I am speaking complete truth. The back half of this season, we have seen things from Trubisky we've never seen before. He no, is not a bust. He <laughs> is going to lead this team to a statement win, and the Bears get it done. Yep, Trubisky's you just good enough to make it hard lies. to replace. Thank you for that. That's awesome. I didn't know that existed. Las Vegas at my Broncos. I mean, the season's over for both of them, but it's a huge rivalry. It's the team I hate the most in the league. And the Raiders are better than the Broncos, but you're going on the road. And, man, Gruden teams late in the season just not playing all that well. I honestly don't know what to expect in this. I'm just going to take Denver because I love them because that's my squad, and neither one of them are going to the postseason. I have no real thoughts about this game. I'm just going to go with Vegas, to be honest. Yeah, I'm going to go with the home team. Just I had a lot of, like, John Gruden coach him up games earlier in the year, and now I feel like the Raiders coach just, him down. Yeah, they've been coached down. I don't know what to pick of the Raiders anymore. So yeah, Broncos just because they're at home. John Gruden is such a predictable play caller, and I just think that your Broncos, Jason, have what it takes. Particularly, they've played at least in their last game. It was super close against. I know it was the Chargers, but still, it was it was a three point game. Denver could have won that thing, mm-hmm. and it's an uninspired Las Vegas squad that has just completely been demoralized. Denver wins. Jacksonville at Indy. Man, see, this is this is one where I feel like you could have a really, really weird result. This would be the most shocking result, I think, of anything that could happen on Sunday if Jacksonville were able to beat Indianapolis. I have this feeling, but I'm pretty sure it's something I ate. Indy's going to win this thing easily. No, I think Jacksonville realizes the gift they've been handed in that they have somehow 
sunk upwards and they will get Trevor Lawrence. The draft pick should not be taken from them at all in spite of I've seen people now be. whining. People are whining now because it's no longer in their precious Jets hands. Uh, they're, they're, they know where their bread is being buttered. Indianapolis, Jaguars lose. But the Jaguars win. don't even have to. The Jaguars can't lose it. Like They can no, win they the can't. game and they've yeah. still got it. Yeah, yeah. Even still, not good enough. Indianapolis. Agreed. I hope Philip Rivers' career doesn't end with a loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> that would be so, so please, tragic. Please on an interception this. in the Gosh, fourth quarter. Man, I hope. I, he deserves better. <laughs> Dang on it. Dang on it. He deserves better. Heck. Yeah. Okay, Philip Rivers, please pull out a win. I'm going with the Colts as well. I can't see him go out that way. Chiefs without Mahomes against the Chargers. What do you guys have in this? So that was that was why I wanted to point this out. Inter- in- interesting because I checked. Chargers opened as a minus three and a half mm-hmm. favorite in some places, and from what Eric told me, they're now up to like another point on top of it, four and a half. Yeah, I'll take the Chargers here. I don't, I don't see. I, it's hard for me to see the Chargers winning by that much, but yeah, Chargers. Yeah, I'm gonna pick the Chargers because I'm assuming most of the Chiefs A squad ain't gonna play, and then you know, Chargers will try to get a win. And Anthony Lynn apparently is gonna save his job, and they'll play for him. So we'll see. Chargers. Justin Herbert is a much better quarterback than Chad Henney, who it appears is going to be getting the start for Kansas City. You got to go with LA in this one. Makes me all of what you just all of you just said makes me want to go with Kansas City, but I'll go with the Chargers <laughs> yeah. as well. They'll figure I, it out. I, when, they'll charge themselves. They certainly could lose this game because they're the Chargers. We got five more games to go. We'll pick them when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Jason Martin show finishes up on Fox Sports Radio. Final segment, Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio in the FSR studios. Fox Football Sunday coming up next. My thanks to the crew. We'll bring them back in. We got five more games to pick. Chris, Eric, and Brian. All right, Arizona at L.A. Can somebody tell me who the two quarterbacks are going to be? I saw it earlier this week, and I can't remember either of their names. So Anybody with an idea. It, it sounds like, Jason, they're going to let Kyler Murray play, even though okay. he's got that leg issue. And then Wolford, the guy from Wake Forest, is going to get the start for the Rams. Oh, wow. Arizona's Wolford. in with a win, right? Yes. I and, believe so, And yeah. the same for the Rams. Okay. Uh, and Cam Akers, we're not sure about that. Looks like you're going to try to get him a go. I, I think Arizona's going to win the game. I mean, the quarterback enough right there. I mean, if Kyler, if they can't win this, they don't deserve to be in the postseason. And Kingsbury doesn't deserve to be back. Yeah, I don't think they deserve to be in the postseason. I think defense carries the day here for the Rams. I will take the Rams here. Yeah, the Rams really win with Goff under center. Let's go with Kyler and the mm-hmm. Cardinals. Yeah, Goff has been as accurate as... 50 cent throwing a first pitch in Major League Baseball if you haven't seen that My video. favorite video. <laughs> yes. It's a good one. But I have to go with Wolford because I just think that he might actually be an upgrade from Goff. Wake is great. So, yeah, let's go with let's go with L.A. I mean, I'm from Winston-Salem. I should have gone there, but I went with Kyler Murray. Seattle at San Francisco. Really impressed with the Niners last week. Impressed with Robert Sala. I think you're going to be happy with him in Detroit if that's who they go with. I hope so. Uh, Jeff Wilson looked great running the football last week. Uh, Seattle, it was DK Metcalf all over the Niners the first time out. Tyler Lockett hadn't done anything in like two months, it doesn't seem like. Does Seattle have anything to play for here? I know they're in the postseason, but is there a seeding they're playing for here? I, I or think no? they're tied up with New Orleans right now, so I think there is something in play. I just don't have it in front of me. It's why I'm taking Seattle in this game, though. It just feels like the stakes are a little higher. I will gladly welcome Salah to Detroit, but I think 49ers luck runs out a little bit. Seattle's needs this to kind of get a little further in the in the playoff 
Okay, yeah, I'll stick with you on that. Anybody want to go Niners? I'm going to go Niners with a home okay. win in Glendale, Arizona, just for a weird little stat there. <laughs> there you go. If Josh Rosen got an opportunity with the Niners, I would go with them, but it's going to be the Seahawks. No Camara, no running backs for the Saints today against the Panthers, who also aren't going to have Mike Davis or Christian McCaffrey playing. But it's Drew Brees trying to get right to get into the postseason. I know it's on the road. I, I honestly don't feel good about this, but I'm going to take the Saints just because I think Carolina's just kind of done this year. Yeah, so I was seeing this. So uh, a win for the Saints is a tiebreaker over Seattle for the second seed. Mm. So that's what Seattle, uh, that's what New Orleans playing for today. That's what Seattle's playing to keep pace. So I'm going to take New Orleans here. Empty backfields all the way around, Saints over the Panthers. Yeah, you could put Taysom Hill back there to run the football. Saints win. That might be what happens. Tennessee at Houston. Deshaun maybe plays a half. They're thinking, I wouldn't play him a half. There's no reason to play him at all. I know J.J. Watt had a speech, but I think that was J.J. Watt not being able to say no to a camera. Tennessee's got to win the ball game to win the AFC South for the first time in ages. I think they do it. Their offense should be enough, even with a leaky defense, to get the job done. Yeah, I'll take Tennessee, too. I like Watt's words, but it's going to fall on deaf ears here. Yeah, J.J. Watt likes to talk a lot and put up nice social media pictures, but Titans are going to win. As much as I want the Titans to win, I just have this gut feeling, Jason and the crew, that it's going to be a puke job from Tennessee, and the Texans are going to play spoiler. Washington at Philadelphia. Give me Washington. Ugh. Alex Smith's oh. going to play. I hate this as a Sunday night game, but I think I think the football team wins. What a proper end to the 2020 season yes. we get to watch this. Washington yep. football team. Football team. Yeah, this is like a, a Jackson Pollock piece of art, but I got to go with Washington. Eric, man, uh, this is it for you on this journey. Yeah, man, I really have appreciated everything that you've done, and I know you've got bigger and better things to move to, but we'll be in touch. I appreciate it, man. I'll be back for my Bills victory tour, guys. I promise. Uh, Okay, we'll roll our (laughs) eyes at that. Go Bills. We will roll our eyes at that. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy Week 17. Wild card coming soon. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.